Hey, podcast fam. It's Izzy Girl, the Authentic Self-Advocate, and you are listening to Authentic Breath. Happy Wednesday to you. I hope you're enjoying this last little wave of summer. How y'all been? I hope you are taking care, practicing self-governance, staying curious. Happy breastfeeding month. <laughs> I know, random fun fact. Happy Black Business Month. Shout out to the, to the Urban League and for putting on a great job fair and expo post-pandemic. I was fortunate to volunteer for the job fair and managed to promote self-governance during the expo. Super exciting time, lots of networking with black businesses. I was floored by all the generosity. I mean, they offered free transportation, free food, a play area, a home ownership space, haircuts, backpacks, gas cards. My goodness, the philanthropy in the community was off the chain, y'all. Shout out to the Urban League for its mad philanthropy. Whatever the reasons, I appreciate the output and projected outcomes. It was truly a blessing to see and an honor to be a part of after all these years. They even had a financial family feud. Y'all, that was fascinating. Speaking of which, I have a treat for you. Today, we are discussing wealth part two. That's part two. Last month, I single-handedly explored a few perspectives on wealth and how I define it. Y'all, you'll have to go back and tune into pod episode number seven to get the layout. But today, hold your seat. I have a special guest, my home girl, Crystal. Crystal, welcome to Authentic Breath. We met in the core. She came in the cohort after me. Is that right? I think yes. I came after you. Nice. Welcome to the podcast. I I want to give a little, you know, background to our meeting. I was in M29. So for those of you who don't know or not aware of the, the Peace Corps, basically sends out volunteers to various countries around the world. <clears throat> you do have to apply and there's a long waiting period, but I got in right away, actually. I got in about a year and a half later. How about you, Crystal? Did you get in right away? Oh, yeah, right away. I actually came in right as they were switching from the long application format to the new one. So I only had to wait a couple of months. Nice. That's so nice because I didn't have to award him, you know, post-medical school. I was really distraught. And then when I applied, I think about a year later, two years later, actually, because I had the nanny business for two years, got in right away and I had to wait out the, you know, the long period where you have to do all the tests and all that stuff. Like there's a long checklist. You remember that? before we went to staging oh my goodness yes right? that was terrible because i didn't know that i would like officially go to um, peace corps moldova until like two weeks before my flight left wow really yeah it, it was part of you know the application process it just so happened that uh my birth certificate took forever to get <laughs> yeah that was a grueling process i mean seriously the tests the doctors, everything you had to have in place, it's quite grueling. I can imagine it's even more grueling now. I hear it's even more difficult. I don't know what the new process is like because uh, I did apply on the old system, but I, I imagine it's just as difficult. Yeah, yeah. I think so, but I actually don't remember. <laughs> really? I think I remember correctly because I think he and their group were in M28. Um, but we worked closely together on a nationwide campaign that we were just chatting about. Crystal reminded me about against domestic violence, and we've been bound ever since. I haven't made it to Colorado yet. One, one day. <laughs> right? over here. Yeah, one worry. of these days. One of these days. So Crystal got her bachelor's degree in business administration from the University of Colorado, Denver. From 2013 to 2014, she worked at Life Insurance Brokerage in Denver. 
And that's where she learned how people can provide financial security to their families and or nonprofits through their life and after. Currently, Crystal's months away from graduating from the University of Denver with a master's in business administration and a concentration in finance. May 2023, here we come. Congrats, Lou. Um, well, I'm just so happy to be here. Thank you very much, Is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. Uh, well, I guess I'll just start off with a little bit about me. Uh, my love of money began at age six, so my dad used toy currency to teach me about money and more specifically finance. Um, from there, my love of personal finance just compounded on itself. Uh, my first job was working at my university's campus bookstore. There, I learned the satisfaction of earning my own money at a minimum wage of $7.25 and how empowering that first paycheck feels. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, a year after that, I started working in retail banking, and from 2008 to 2012, I, I was in the bank working various roles, like teller, lead teller, personal banker, and <clears throat> while working at the bank in the wake of the Great Recession was a challenge, that's where I learned the many ways to get out of debt and how to build personal credit. Wow, what a background. So there you have it, Authentic Breath listeners. We've got a professional, an expert in the field, which is why I brought her in. I thought, who can I interview or have this expand this conversation on wealth with? And she's the best person I, I could fit, uh, think of to, to fit the bill. I am super stoked to have you, Crystal, on the podcast. God knows I've hit you up for a few financial questions regarding my 403B. You remember that? <laughs> my IRAs, long-term planning and investments. Also, Crystal is Filipino-American, which certainly adds to a layer of her perspective. And she is a non-believer. So she and I have different viewpoints on how we view money in general. And I just mentioned that, for example, I pay tithes. I don't know if you pay tithes, but as a Christian believer, I pay tithes. So that is something my money actually would go to. It's kind of like donating, I guess, was is the, big, the biggest kind of comparison or the biggest uh, analogy you can think of. But I don't okay. know that, do you pay tithes, Crystal? Uh, I do donate, but um, okay. So that, I've never heard of tithes before. Ah, so let me let me. Um, so as a Christian believer, tithes is basically g giving back into community or into the church ten percent of whatever you earn. Does that make sense? Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we as believers are instructed or encouraged to do. Of course, God gives us free will to do these things, but in our Bible, in the Christian Bible, this is one of the things that we're encouraged to do. I'm trying to think it's it's uh, Micah, I believe, that we're encouraged to give back into the church, okay? Does that make sense? That's okay. cool. I'm glad we have yes, like a teaching moment. Okay, so that is why I, I often say on the podcast that, you know, my perspective has been gained from people from all around the world, different backgrounds, different belief systems, and this is what has expanded my self-governance, you know, getting perspective from various minds and mindsets, right? It enriches your own self-governance because you're able to decipher, well, I like this, I don't like this, I agree with this, I don't agree with this, and that sort of grounds your own self-governance or your own self-awareness. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, super cool. So, Crystal, what is your definition of wealth? How would you define it? Wealth to me is a few things. Uh, primarily, it's quality of life. Like, I'm, I'm fairly simple. So long as I have food, shelter, and my health and or safety, I feel comfortable. Right. And once I feel comfortable, I can enjoy life. Like, I can enjoy the activities of daily living. And to me, that's wealth. Like, coupled with that, wealth is also the ability to freely access education because not everyone has that unfortunately um but and that as for ed education that can be formal education or just learning from life experience like after all life is the greatest teacher um anyway i i wouldn't have my definition of wealth or monetary wealth without the experience of learning from my dad from my jobs and from formal education it's been my experience that unless one is lucky or born into monetary wealth Financial literacy is the key to building monetary wealth. Nice, nice. So let's talk about being comfortable, though. Like, what is, how do you define being comfortable? Because so, here on Authentic Breath, I try to break it down for listeners in terms of, in my mind, how do I break down comfort? For example, for me, I, I'm not currently working, but this is actually ideal. My schedule is very, very flexible. I get up in the morning and I hustle every single day. 
And if there's a day that I don't want to hustle towards, you know, building authenticity advocates or even supporting Akobari, I don't. Right. So for me, that's comfortable. Yeah. Right. So what's your what's your dig on comfort? And it's just being able to like sit, relax, like know that I have food, know that I have shelter, just the basic needs. Like as as long as I have that, I'm comfortable. Right. Like so that's, that's wealth for you, huh? Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Well, tell us more about access to education. Like for me, that means a lot of things, but for you? Um, I mean, access to education. So like when I'm, I'm more specifically thinking about like financial literacy. So um, my dad grew up poor, and so he learned about money through just various life experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And then from those experiences, he began teaching me, and then I um, got a job at banking, and then I learned a little bit more formally all about finance. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what I mean by, like, life experiences. Like, for example, I know what it feels like to be suddenly kicked out of your own home because you can't afford to pay the mortgage, right? <laughs> Um, and so let's talk about that. Do you mind sharing? That's a very authentic moment that we could break down actually. Uh, sure. I mean, okay. So it wasn't my mortgage payment. I was, I think seven years old and my dad was going through a lot of like, um, like personal experiences that I, that I won't get to, but like the, sure. the short of that story is he was not able to work mm-hmm. and because he wasn't able to work, he wasn't able to f- afford the mortgage. And next thing I know, there's a foreclosure sign in front of my house, and <clears throat> my my dad had to take a job outside of Washington State, where I grew up, mm-hmm. to Colorado. And uh, so he he came to Colorado by himself, started working. He lived in a motel until he could save up to rent a really really that apartment i'm not even gonna go into that yeah like if anyone is local to the colorado area let's just say it's cold facts and hopefully you understand the context <laughs> from there um, and uh and then as for me like it was just me and my mom renting a, a small apartment <clears throat> because most of my dad's money went to paying for our apartment while he stayed in a motel and so um yeah so i i like that so i don't have a lot i don't want to like live in luxury i just want the comfort of like food shelter knowing i'm happy and healthy yeah yeah so so you basically saw a mortgage sign on the door and what happened though um let's see here i mean if you're comfortable and then yeah, no, like in, in terms of the actual process. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, think... I was I was too young to really understand it, but like, so I wake up, I see a foreclosure sign, and like from there, a bunch of you know other people, like interested buyers, basically, would come over to the house and like look at the house and see whether or not they wanted to buy it. So it was always strange having strangers walking into my house and like talking about buying it. Yeah, um, and then eventually somebody did. Um, either the bank just said, hey, you got to get out, or somebody did buy it. I don't know. But either way, like, from that point on, it was just my family was split apart. Yeah, yeah. That's so crazy because it's very similar to what happened to us in 2008. Um, my dad purchased a home. I think I talked about this on the last pod or so. Um, you did. I listened. Thank oh, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but, yeah, we had the home for well over 10 years, but um, – basically we fell back behind on well we my parents fell behind on the mortgage and i mean i don't think dad wanted to let the house go because i remember us packing up and him just like being dumbfounded by what was happening you know um but essentially Mm -hmm. that's what happened you know and i've been reading up on this foreclosure because you know i'm doing a training for um to become a housing um counselor for HUD. That's amazing. Right. I know. And the only reason I could do that is because I have the nonprofit, our corporate, right? So if you have a 501c3, you can expand upon that by becoming this housing counselor, which is amazing. Great opportunity, guys. The certification is like the test is 60 bucks if you're not aware. But if you have a 501c3 out there, go for it. But so I'm learning about this foreclosure process and I was reading through the exam materials and I'm like, this is exactly what happened to us you know it's it's crazy that wealth is attached to having property right and we can expand upon this because 
I remember us walking and packing up and just that whole like opportunity slipping through our fingers. And now for the last, I guess, 16 years, we've been paying or my mom has been paying my dad. They've now since split, divorced, but they each now pay a landlord rent, which could be going into our homes, right? Or into that home, right? Which is crazy. So let's expand upon that as in terms of losing our homes. It's very personal to us, obviously. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, wealth being attached to having property, a home? Right. I don't, I don't really care about like the property aspect of it, but definitely like having that reassurance that like, this is my space, this is my home. I definitely feel that that is wealth, regardless of whether or not you own your own home outright, but just like having that safe space, like that's your space. Yeah, I that to be that's true. For sure. I agree. I, I, I agree to it to a point because I feel like having a space is good. For me, it's not good enough. I want to own it. Why? Because I want to pass it down to my children so they don't have to start the process over again. You know, for me, that's liberation. That's freedom. That's advancing the kingdom agenda. That's living in abundance. So my children will have to go through the same thing that I'm seeing my mom go through, seeing my dad go through. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And that's amazing. And I fully respect that. Absolutely. And I, um, I'm actually kind of glad you brought up children and like, uh, you know, sharing your wealth with the next generation, because that's actually um, one of the reasons I'm choosing not to have children is to get out of poverty. Okay. Um, I mean, and like by poverty, I mean, like monetary poverty. Right, because, right. I mean, having children is a wealth of in and of itself. Of course. Um, but the cost of raising a child, a child is not something I can, I can afford. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I didn't know that. That's like a newsflash. I think I've spoken to, or maybe I did actually, maybe I was, yes, you guys both don't want to have children and, and this is rich because I do. And I'm just, I really would like to hear more as to why you expensive. That lifestyle is very expensive, right? It is very expensive. And like, <laughs> And then that just comes back to like my background of like, cause, like I remember like, oh, actually let me backtrack here. So both of my parents grew up very poor. So my mother, like to give you a little bit of context, she lived in the kind of poverty where she made her underwear out of potato sacks. Oh my okay? gosh. And she's that Filipino, correct? So that we can like. Correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So she's from Philippines and you know raised by a single mother she had my mother was the youngest of 12 siblings so just to kind of give you some context of like the level of poverty she grew up in and then my dad also grew up very poor and perhaps not to that same kind of degree but certainly it was like once a week for him where he was able to go out with the family and get a cheeseburger oh and God. that was like the big thing to do that's amazing. A cheeseburger, huh? Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. So, so like, um, so because of just like the the, the history of um, poverty that like you know comes that comes from my personal experience and then from my parents, I know, you know, money, it it takes money to raise a child, right? Like, I, I come from like a grandmother with this, a single mother grandmother with twelve kids. I don't know anything about my grandparents on my father's side. And that's because um, they they made certain choices with their money that my dad didn't agree with. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Well, yeah, I would like to at least have one Bambino. And how that's going to be paid for, I hadn't really thought about that. But that, again, is in God's hands. And if it's his will for me to have a child, I'm sure it'll be well taken care of. That's pretty much my perspective on that. And, and that's why these discussions, I often say to other colleagues, are so rich because you know, I never even thought, wow, super expensive. Of course, you know, you think you read certain articles that say X number of dollars to raise a child until 18. But I think to myself, if I want to have a child, I'm going to have a child. You know what I mean? Like, that's just. Yeah, no, it'll happen one way or another. Like, I, you're amazing. You 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 have so much talent and skills. You can make anything happen. <laughs> and so you. if you want a child, you're going to have a child and you're going to be a great mother at it. I appreciate you. So, so what is your perspective on society's caption of wealth? That depends on the society. I, I feel that the U.S. society defines wealth as a, in a couple of ways, like annual salary and or net worth. Like, so for example, if someone's making a couple hundred thousand dollars per year, they're wealthy. Uh, or mm. Alternatively, if they 
have a net worth more than 2.2 million, they're considered wealthy. Mm. And I, I just got that 2.2 million from CNBC. Okay, cool, <laughs> nice. Um, as for, oh, let me backtrack really quick. Uh, as for the average cost of raising a child, I haven't kept up to date, but the last time I checked was at least a hundred thousand dollars from birth to age eighteen. Yeah. Wow, hundred thousand. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And that's just the average cost. Like you know, that doesn't you know take into fact like different standards of living and all of those things. So wait, is that per year? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Like that's total. the lifetime of. Oh, I see. Interesting. Oh, no, from age eight, from from birth to age eighteen. 100,000. And again, like that was information from a couple years ago. So with inflation and, you know, rise in costs, it could be 200. I don't know. Mm. 200,000. <laughs> okay. I have to Definitely. look into that. But the numbers are out there. Yeah. I have to look into that. It seems on the low end, but um, interesting. I, you know, because I, I imagine it being like a freaking million by the time they're 18. I don't know. But I don't know. I have to look like, into that. It could be. Yeah, like I said, like that's a number from like almost a decade ago at this oh, point. Okay. But okay. that's also keeping in fact that's an average. So that includes, you know, if if for example you're dealing with a single parent that making thirty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars annually, like, you know, it's possible for them to have a child. They're going to have to pay for, you know, there's different ways to pay for a child. Mm, I hear you. That's another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so how do you think wealth ought to be utilized? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, there's, there's no easy answer, but I do think there are better ways to utilize existing wealth so that it spreads amongst the masses. At the very least, more money should be put into funding educational programs, especially at the high school and community college levels. Mm. And uh, the program should sit around teaching financial literacy. Like, oh my God, I what agree. is debt? Right? What we don't have budget? any of that. Like, what is credit? Right? Where did that come in at, in high school ever? Like ever? Uh, I was really lucky, actually. My high school had a personal finance class. Are I you serious? Took it and loved it, and oh, I learned all gosh. sorts of different things from it. But yeah. I highly, highly recommend it. Like that changed. I mean, like I was already set for finance, <laughs> but in terms of like edu- like formal education, that really changed the game for me. Oh my gosh, I wish I had that. I, maybe we did have that, and I just wasn't aware enough to take one of those classes because. In terms of like, what's the, um, there's like five points that you should know. We can talk about this later. And I, I saw it on Instagram. Uh-huh. The guy's like, you don't know this. You're setting yourself up for disaster. You know, basically you should put you uh, 3% of something is this. And you should know the 72% rule or something. And I don't know this stuff. Like, I don't know this stuff. And these are things I should know, right? So you said, what is credit? What else? Um, like, is there more than one way to budget? How can you minimize paying fees and interest on debt right saving money important do i have to pay taxes the answers to these questions and more should be taught to everyone like these answers would save people a lot of money right and in turn help them build wealth right i agree i agree so in terms of do i have to i'm sorry i interrupted you go ahead i was just saying um in terms of uh, financial literacy, I'm a huge advocate for it. 100%. Right. I know. I so know. I know this just from being friends with you. But in terms of do I have to pay taxes, what do you mean by that? Because this past year, my business didn't make much money at all. And I actually did have an accountant do the, the taxes for me because I didn't want to make any mistakes. I wanted to get as many deductions as possible. And he wound up telling me Excellent. is you don't have to pay. You don't even have to file. So what do you mean by that? What do you mean you don't have to file? It's illegal not to file. Yeah, I didn't. He told me I don't have to file. That's what he told me. Okay, so he's probably talking about the dollar amount you earn. So, like, as an example, um, if you've made, like, as an individual, if you made less than 10000 in a given year, then you're, you know, that's that's not enough money to file taxes. Okay, so that um, includes me. But if you make me. more than 10000 then you would have to file taxes. So it kind of just depends on whatever your dollar limit is of how much you've earned for a year. Okay. Yeah. So that's probably why he's, you know, Israel, you know, doesn't know these things. And so I'm so glad I went to him and they suggested that I shouldn't. Yes, absolutely. I'm so proud of you for going to professional regarding your taxes. Like it's just so beneficial. Like one, you get to save yourself time and money and stress for getting professional help. Two, you're helping somebody get paid. 
I never even thought of it that way. That's so funny. You're right, though. And they've been great. They're a great society. Or it's like a nonprofit, though, that my mom has been going to for years. And so whenever I'm in the States, when I do try to file, um, which, you know, for the last, what, six, seven years, I've been under the $12,000 mark. So I've not needed to. But I think last year I actually made a lump sum of money and I did file. So I just went ahead and filed this year because... I had the business and I was thinking, oh, I'm going to get some money back. No. They <laughs> all. <laughs> That's so funny. So if you could offer five financial lessons or mistakes you've learned, would you be willing to authentically share them? Absolutely. Um, so before I get into my lessons, though, just to recap, I, I grew up poor. Like I depended on the school lunch program for regular sustenance. I was too young to understand if my lunch was free or discounted or switched from one to the other based on my parents' income, so I can't go into the details, but there were times when the only meal I had in a day was whatever I got from the school. Wow. I, my mother immigrated to the U.S. from the Philippines after she married my dad and me. She grew up very poor, and intentionally or unintentionally, she taught me that I would need to marry someone wealthy to get out of poverty. Wow. wow. So <clears throat> now, now for my lesson. So lesson one, where's the money? So based off of what my mom, like, you know, unintentionally or unintentionally told me, told me or taught me, um, I used to think that it would be enough if I just married somebody who had enough money to take care of me. That was my first mistake. It was actually my dad who also grew up poor, like I said, and he learned about building wealth from life experience. He was the one who told me to never depend on another person to take care of me or make me happy. Interesting dynamic. Wow. Yeah, so you had right? two opposing viewpoints growing up, basically. <laughs> right. And um, so he didn't use these exact words, but he basically said that I needed to be enough for whatever life threw at me mm. and that I should be able to afford whatever life I want. Interesting. Um, but of course, you know, he's my dad, loves me. He told me that, like, obviously I needed to be able to take care of myself, but he would help me every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And help me, he did. Like, like, uh, when I was six, he bought me a toy currency set, to touch, which taught me basic math skills mm-hmm. and about money. Like, so, for example, instead of, like, one plus one equals two, I learned four quarters equals a dollar. Wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Over the years, and even now, he continues to teach me. And, like, by the time I was eight, I understood the concept of interest. And I just want to share a quick short story. When I was 10, my math teacher asked the class, how do you earn money? And most of my classmates answered that they either got an allowance or they got money for doing chores. Mm. I responded that I save up all of my birthday and other gift money. I loan that money and then I collect interest. What? Seriously? I know, right? Wait, pause. Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) That's amazing because I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, Go ahead and finish your thought and then I'll add at a point. I wouldn't have known to do that without my dad teaching me about money and finance. So this is what I mean when I say financial literacy is the key to building Certainly. I I agree. Now, I'm going to be honest. My parents, they did set up our savings account when we were very, very young. We did save, but we didn't save like, like I think you should save. So we had the concept of saving and checking accounts. To the aspect of financial literacy, I don't think we considered it long term. So, like for the expand, expand English, the expansion of our life, or what's the word I want? The duration of life, right? I think we thought of it as money to go to when if we needed it. So, like for books or something, or for a snack or something that, or like a trip even. But I don't think we thought of it as oh, this is going to leave money for our education. I I remember my dad saying this when I was coming up in high school. He always used to say, you know, I've once you once you get out of high school, I will have taught you everything you need to know. You're on your own. I will help you all the time, but monetarily, I'm unable to do that. But you all have all the tools that you need to move forward in this life. I'm sure you will get scholarships. I'm sure you will um, basically you're, you're brilliant enough to pave the way in order for things to get done. Right. So the financial component wasn't there necessarily, but we did start off with the sort of the level of financial literacy that we did have the savings account. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And hey, that's a start. That's all you need is a start. (laughs) Yeah, well, this time around, if I do have the Bambino, or when I do have the Bambino, my conversation will definitely expand upon the savings account, you know, the rules of financial literacy, because, you know, I'm 42 
and I should own a home at this point. I should have a nice cushy, you know, for at least for emergency, you know, and I, no, don't get me wrong. I have all this information in my head, but to implement it, executing it in real life, that's where we need to be, right? This is my journey. And don't get me wrong, we want, don't want to beat ourselves up. At the same time, we are learning in this process to become more authentic. And becoming more authentic for me is building wealth, not just because of the sake of wealth, for the sake of advancing kingdom agenda, for the sake of building a, a legacy for my family, right? Making sure when I leave here, there's something behind, right? So they don't have to do the same thing that I'm doing right now. So what's lesson number two? It's not the amount of the paycheck. You know, I like so going back to uh, my mother and marrying somebody wealthy, right? So I did meet a handsome stranger with more money than my family could, <laughs> could know what to do with. And I was content letting him take care of me for a while. Yeah. Then he disappeared and I got my first job. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And so that first job, I made seven dollars and twenty-five cents an hour, right? <laughs> and uh, prior to that first paycheck, I thought that minimum wage, minimum wage, would never be enough to live off of. Mm. That was my second mistake. That salary may not have been able to afford me rent and the cost of my tuition and food and utilities, but it did allow me to hold my head high because I earned that money. Right, exactly. And conveniently, shortly after receiving my first paycheck, that handsome stranger called me back and said, hey, I'm going to be back in your life. What? He made excuses for why he disappeared. And I told him that I could take care of myself with my own money and that I didn't need him or want him. Him or his money in my life. Well, I'm finished. Girl, that's a whole nother conversation with a whole nother part of the <laughs> <laughs> <No>, right? <laughs> right, because, you know, just a sidebar, and then we'll go on. But I, honest to God, that is what traumatizes women in general. And now we live in a whole new world where you can't just say women, but in general, like, when you're in a heterosexual relationship, let's just say this for the longest part up until now, like this old, you know, way of thinking, we rely on the man to take care of us, right? And it's like, when because this is entrenched in us, most of us, it's, it's how we go about in this life. But then when it doesn't happen, it's almost like a traumatizing thing. Like, okay, so I'm going to take care of myself. I'm not going to rely on a man to do anything for me. But then that traumatizes you to get into a relationship again if you want to, right? And so this that's why I say this is a whole nother conversation for a whole nother <laughs> Because that's, that's not... To me, that's bondage. To me, that's not living a life of liberation or freedom. You're stuck into this place of, I don't need, but you may want to one day have someone to be a partner with, right? Or to be partnered with. And this sort of trauma can sort of, the things that we're taught, right? In society can sort of backfire and and play a role in your life and it shouldn't. So that's why I segue because this is a whole nother, that's a whole nother freaking conversation, an interesting one. Anyway, so any other lessons? Lesson three, always have an emergency savings. Mm. Um, so fast forward to August 2020. I had been living at my parents' house since I returned from Peace Corps in 2017. Um, I had to live there because I was paying for school. I was saving for a house to buy a house. And I couldn't afford school in my own place. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'll skip how the pandemic impacted me and my family. Let's just focus on the money. I had, uh, Because I've always been a saver, I had several savings accounts. I had uh, 10,000 in a money market savings. And I say that specifically because money market savings is a financial product, not just a savings account. Going back to that financial literacy, I think it's important to know your financial products. Um, Anyways, I had 10,000 for savings, or I'm sorry, emergency savings. I had 3,000 held aside in that same account, but for paying my tuition, which was $5,200. <laughs> and so that was 3000 saved for tuition. And I had 13000 saved um, uh, in a share certificate. So if you're not okay. familiar with what a share certificate is, it's a type of, well, it's, it's basically a savings account on steroids <laughs> okay. where you just lock your money away and it grows interest for you. So I had a goal of forty five thousand dollars to for to save for a house sale payment so i only had thirteen thousand out of forty five thousand forty 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 five thousand yes and um so the plan was to use the funds in the share certificate to pay for a house and it was kind of my mistake to lock my funds away during a pandemic when everything was uncertain um but it, it all worked out at the end so um by 
not uh, September 2020, my dad uh, told me that I needed to move out of my family home as soon as possible because his finances were all messed up due to various unexpected life ex- uh, situations yeah. to include the pandemic. And so he needed to sell the house and just move to Texas because he couldn't afford to live in Colorado anymore. Okay. So what did I do? I agonized over things like, should I rent an apartment? Should I try to buy a townhome for like 250000 Should I use the money I have to pay off my car because I can't afford my car payments, which was $725 a month, which oh, wow. is obscene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like, you know, with that car payment, I couldn't afford like a rent or mortgage, which is roughly 1200 or yeah. 1650 yeah, yeah, really in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And food and utilities, it's ridiculous. So ultimately, thanks to my wonderful partner, we came to the decision of just buying a house together, despite never living together, uh, because it was kind of a housing emergency for me, right? Like I was about to be homeless. Yeah, it worked Uh, out. It um, worked out. (laughs) uh, So those details are another story, but really, because I saved, I was able to to just rescue myself. I borrowed 10,000 from my emergency savings. Mm -hmm. I used that for my half of the house down payment. Mm -hmm. Uh, My partner paid for the other half of the down payment. And so we were able to to buy our house. And then um, almost a year later in August, 2021, my share certificate um, was no longer, uh, I guess, locked away. So I used that 13,000 to pay myself back and like start rebuilding my savings really more money towards my tuition. Yeah. So like I said, I used 10,000 of my emergency savings and then I ended up being able to put 7,000 back into it after my share certificate expired. And then that other 3000 I paid towards school. And then I'm still slowly trying to build up my my, my emergency savings. It's yeah. still at 7,000. I wanted at 10. <laughs> But, you know, life happens, right? Right. And, um, of course, because I never stopped saving, I was able to put another 3000 or, or maybe not 3000 I put some amount of money towards my car payment mm-hmm. uh, in a lump sum. And I, because I made that huge lump sum payment, I was able to reduce my auto loans from 725 to, like, roughly $300 a month. And that oh, really yeah. helped me. That makes sense. That makes sense. So just really short story. Uh, the emergency savings for the win. <laughs> yes, that's what I was going to ask you about, actually. So the difference between the emergency savings and the original savings that you discussed, I, I wanted to, the market savings, is that the mm-hmm. same thing? Money money market yeah, savings. Yeah, money market no, savings. So, so I had a regular savings account, which, I don't know, I had like $300 in it or something like that. And that's just kind of like, you know, the, the for fun of savings account. And then mm-hmm. I have a money market savings and that was for my emergencies. And so the difference between the two accounts in terms of type is saving a regular savings is basic. There's like almost no interest. It has like, I don't know, 0.01% interest rate on it mm-hmm. versus a money market savings, which has more interest or a higher interest rate. Unfortunately, due to the rates at the time, it was almost nothing as well. <laughs> but the idea was I would earn more money mm. um, in the money market savings. And so eventually I built up so much money that like I was earning $30 a month just from having a savings account. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And then similarly, the share certificate, which, you know, earns even more interest. So like, as an example, say that the regular savings is, I'm making numbers up, 0.01%. Mm-hmm. And then you have a money market that's like 0.05%. And then you have a share certificate that's offering you 3%. Like clearly you want more money in that share certificate, right? Yeah, for sure. You're earning 3% instead of less than 1%. And so, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's important to know the different financial products. Yeah, it sounds like it. Oh my gosh, we could we could go on about this actually. I'm very curious about it. Um, so what are your other lessons? Uh, lesson four, never forget where you came from or the debts you owe. So fast forward to 2020, I bought a house, which is also roughly $400,000 in a mortgage. I have a car with reduced monthly payments, but I still have to pay $300 a month and I still owe a little over 3000 on it. Mm. And I have to pay for school. So like I have all these different debts and it causes me all sorts of anxieties, but I have to think about that debt. I never want to forget the debt that I owe because like one, that's just being responsible financially. Right. But two, if you ever forget a bill, that's like the worst thing you could do for yourself. Cause that bill is going to grow. Like it's, there's going to be like late fees. There's going to be 
that's collected on it. And it's just going to balloon. And one large debt or one large unexpected expense is going to spiral you into poverty, right? I could lose my car. I could lose my house, my health. And I'm not interested in living a life of luxury. I just want financial security. So I never want to forget my debt. I never want to forget where I came from because I just want that peace of mind that I will never return to those days when I wasn't sure when I'd get to eat a full meal. Right. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's, that's incredible. Uh, Final lesson, uh, which we already kind of talked about, pay your taxes and check your mail because (laughs) it is illegal to fail to, to fail to file and or pay your taxes every year, assuming you, you know, make the minimum amount to file. Um, And so, just pay your taxes if you don't uh, financial literacy it's just it's so helpful to know about your taxes like in my opinion you should either be educated enough to file your own taxes or file jointly and actively do your taxes with your partner right or you should know your limits and just pay a professional to do it exactly is real 101 (laughs) which is what you did (laughs) you're smart smart one is like i'm so proud of you um but either way like uh, presuming you get a tax refund, you know, you could do so many things with that money. You can pay off debt, you can put it towards savings, you could put it, uh, put it towards a large expense you didn't know or that you know it's coming up. And that's just building wealth, right? Like yeah. Just being responsible with your money. Totally. I agree. I agree. Um, I have so many questions. I'm like, I don't know where to start. <laughs> but if you could offer five <laughs> financial tips, though, to never forget, what would they be? All right, all right. Okay, so I have lots of tips, but to keep things simple, one, start saving early. Compound interest is better as your friend than your enemy. Two, educate yourself about financial products like credit and debt. Like I said, I uh, just gave you a quick rundown on savings accounts. Yeah, yeah, so, so good. um, Learning about these products is helpful for your own benefit. Like debt doesn't always drive a person into or further into poverty. When credit is used responsibly, it's a great tool for getting out of poverty and building wealth. Similarly, life isn't life insurance isn't a value judgment on how much you're worth, but it's a method to protect your family and build a legacy. Right. Okay. Um, three. Before you do anything with your money, ask the right questions. For example, instead of what is a budget, it should be which budget style is best for me. Or rather than can I afford a house. Ask yourself, does it make financial sense for me to buy a house? Right. Be authentic to yourself, right? That's so true. Not comparing yourself to the other Joneses, right? (laughs) Exactly. And that is perfect for leading me into tip number four. Be kind to yourself. Recognize that your finances, your journey to building wealth, whatever your definition of wealth is, is unique to you. And you should never compare yourself to others. I love that. Build your wealth your way. If, If that's a side hustle, if that's working multiple jobs, that's starting your own business, climbing the corporate ladder, buying or trading stocks, or just choosing to be a homemaker, whatever, do you. Like I learned about finances, I saved money, and I built off interest, then I made smart money moves. Like yeah. that's my journey, and I repeated that process, and that's how I continue to build wealth. You need to do what you can do. Just remember to be kind and patient with yourself. Your time will turn into wealth. Amen, I love that, thank you. Of course, and then finally, don't take monetary wealth so seriously. Like my financial journey became uh, began with toy currency, <laughs> playing with toy, <laughs> playing with toy money was fun, yeah. and building wealth is even more fun. It's just so sharing knowledge about finances is one of my favorite things to do, and yeah. that's led me to today. So thank you so much, Is Best of luck to y'all and your respective journeys. Um, first of all, toy currency. You will not believe what I have in my wallet right now. Take a wild guess. <laughs> it's the Monopoly money. <laughs> Which Monopoly money? <laughs> I don't know. I've actually never played Monopoly, or if I did, I don't remember. No, I have Moldovan money, but I literally have Moldovan money. I have 20 Moldovan money in my pocket right now. I keep it with me because, you know, Moldova is dear, dear to my heart. But I think it's funny because we always know. used to refer to it as Monopoly money because it literally looks like <laughs> toy currency, you know? Shout out to Moldova, my my host country for eight years. It was so lovely having you, Crystal. Thank you for winging this. This is the first time I've had a guest on the show. 
I'm hoping it resonated with a lot of folks. But thank you for your input. It has always been invaluable to me as well as to our friendship. I appreciate you. Any last thoughts? No, thank you so much. I really appreciate you letting me speak. It was it was a great experience. Nice. All right, love. We'll talk to you later, okay? Take care. listening to Authentic Brass. Shout out to Crystal. I appreciate you, homegirl, for contributing to the conversation of wealth. This was part two on the discussion of how we define wealth, the various perspectives of wealth. And I hope, sis, I hope, sister in Christ, fellow human, you were able to glean a bit of perspective uh, from my humble point of view, you know, I'm I'm being authentic. I'm giving you me. And wealth can mean a lot of things for a lot of folks. But the most important thing is that wealth's meaning be authentic to you. We've covered a lot of grounds in this two-part discussion from my travels to substitutions to the various underlying messages that I hope many of you caught. And I'm curious, what are your thoughts on wealth? Please follow me at Authentic Self Advocate on IG. You can also exchange with me on Facebook at Israel Aisha, Aisha that's I-S-R-A-E-L-A-I-E-S-H-A. There's also a Facebook group there that I primarily host for the sake of the seminars that I plan to continue to host. Be kind, be gentle, give grace. This, I hope something, if not everything, resonated with you, offering you new perspective on an ancient and very relevant discussion. And if you would, leave your comments on either of the platforms and your questions, you know, think introspectively for yourself. Ask yourself, who am I not? Where am I in space? What do I entertain? Right? How do I respond? Which battles are not my own? In evaluating this topic, just this topic of wealth. And I would love to get your thoughts. I, I would love to get your questions, your new perspectives and reframes. Wealth is, is not the enemy. You know, during this discussion, I hope many were able to see the various layers of wealth and how it can be used as a very helpful tool. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it's wielded so, so carelessly. That's the best word I can come up with on the spot in this world and right that conjunction and we have to do what we can you know we have to do what we can and be responsible for ourselves in a way that advances the kingdom agenda and or makes the bet the world a better place wealth is a tool 
a tool that permits us the freedom to continue living a life of abundance. And as I am transitioning from living primarily a nonprofit lifestyle to one that is very excited about building legacy and building walls for my family one day, uh, and not even one day, my family now, my parents, right? My parents and um, my, I call them my nibblings, my nieces, nephew, uh, so my siblings, children, right? Their moms. Um, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's build wealth now and discovering your authentic self. Remember to ask yourself, Whatever the topic, today's topic, last week, last month's rather topic, wealth is the case now, but who am I not? Where am I in space? What do I entertain? How do I respond? Which battles are not my own to the various perspectives and points and uh, tangents that we discuss throughout these two podisodes on wealth? Be curious, please do not forget to be curious about this. This is your journey to becoming more authentic, no one else's. And in doing so, you have to be able to define this for yourself. And in the next discussion, the next exchange with another human being, I hope and pray that you're able to define wealth for you. Or do what I do sometimes, cling your tongue to the roof of your mouth and just listen. Listen to the perspectives in front of you and engage what you want, what you don't want, what you like, what you don't like. That's what this journey is all about. That is what authentic breath really comes down to, deciding for yourself what is the best thing for you, what is most authentic to you. These five question prompts are a great start in any self-discussion towards becoming more authentic, and the discussion on wealth is absolutely no exception. It's 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 just not. I mean, as I've mentioned on IG multiple times, you can take these five question prompts and wield them in any, absolutely any situation, and gain insight on who you are. Right. As usual, please don't forget to share the podcast with a sister, sister in Christ, fellow human. Please like comment and pose hard questions over at authentic breath on ig sis thank you for following uh sharing and listening i i've seen the numbers jump up the last week or so and i've gotten a few messages of new listeners thank you thank you so so much merci beaucoup <laughs> just said thank you in french and romanian I like to give you eight, and I do speak a few tongues. <laughs> I'm kind of lazy, um, and I try to be as humble as possible. But, you know, language is, is and including just wielding English, it's, it's a fun thing for me. I absolutely love using words. I look forward to your questions, contributions, perspectives, and reframes as usual. I pray your month is productively busy and full of balance. Take care, Pod fans.